Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Tonight on the Fanatic Forum, I've got author John Cosper on here, and we are talking about his book, Bluegrass Brawlers, The History of Wrestling in Louisville, Kentucky. I can't wait for this one. Lots of classic wrestling talk here, lots of historical stuff, and God knows whatever else we're going to get into. So that's coming up right after this. <music> Friday and welcome to the Fanatic Forum. I'm your Fanatic and host, George Bueller. Uh, we got a good one for you today, folks. Of course, you know, we got all kinds of good stuff to talk about, you know, aside from comic books here. Uh, but most importantly, I got my buddy, author John Cosper on here. Uh, we, of course, he's a prolific author. He's done sci-fi. He's done action, horror books, children's novels, all sorts of stuff, but what he's best known for in many circles are his wrestling biographies. So we're going to be talking to him very soon. Uh, but of course, you know, we've got so much stuff to talk about with streaming. Uh, the Boys is four, let's see, four episodes deep now. Kenobi's five episodes in. Uh, we've got, you know, Stranger Things going on right now. Ms. Marvel just started. There's a whole lot. <laughs> uh, Jurassic Park is opening up this weekend if you're a fan of that. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of good stuff to celebrate. But we're going to get to all that, I'm sure, in various ways. But right now, I need to bring on our guest here. So, like I said, a very prolific author of sci-fi, action, horror, children's, and wrestling biographies. Of course, most importantly, his New book, the 10th anniversary of Bluegrass Brawlers, the history of wrestling in Louisville, Kentucky. Ladies and gentlemen, John Cosper, come on down, sir. Hey, George, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Thank you very much for being on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure. It's, it's good to catch up with you. Uh, you too, man. Yeah, of course, full disclosure here. John and I have known each other since high school. He went to New Orleans, yep. I went to Central. But uh, basically, when uh, the uh, theater programs would do their big shows, uh, you know, was a couple times a year, mm -hmm. uh, or at least once a year, uh, New Albany and Floyd Central would unite to do one big super show. And so John and I met uh, doing uh, Joseph the Amazing Technical, a dream coat, right? Uh, that one was Singing in the Rain. I don't know which one. So, but uh, we... no, Joseph was my sophomore year. So, okay. Singing in the Rain was my senior year. So, okay, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You're, you're a year older than I am. So, but yeah, but yeah. so. <laughs> now, Joseph was the year. Joseph was '92, and see, Joseph, yeah. Joseph was my junior year, and then and then uh, Singing in the Rain was my senior year. So, yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. So somewhere in there, yeah, <laughs> we were we we're all thrown in the back. If you Albany and Floyd Central holding our noses, tolerating each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. We had good times back then. That certainly was. Yeah. Of course, you know, uh, the strange thing was that we never knew, you know, in those early days, how much wrestling fans we were. 
that's one thing we never actually talked about. It's something we kind of connected on later on. Uh, but uh, yeah, so like I said, you've become quite the prolific author with you know doing all sorts of you know genre books, doing children's novels. But uh, you're quite well known now in certain wrestling circles for your biographies. Yeah, that's uh, it's been going on for uh, writing wise ten years. It's kind of a kayfabe thing that I call it the tenth anniversary because I started writing it in 2012 kind of the tail end of 2012, but it just sounds better than, than the eighth, eighth anniversary. It sounds better to me than the second edition. So, but uh, yeah, it's a much, a much expanded on version version of the original. I'm real happy about it. and real excited to get it out there. Awesome. Well, we were definitely going to get into this uh, uh, very deeply here in the show, but as always on Fanatic Forum, I like to share some new comic books that came out this week with everybody. So see if maybe something, you know, tickles your interests or whatnot here but uh so but i'm getting we're doing the short version this week so we can give plenty of time to talk about the book here so because normally i do like a whole bunch of books here <laughs> no problem uh, i've got a couple of marvel selections here uh first off the new issue of amazing spider-man number three here uh zeb wells is the writer on here john romita jr the legend doing the arts uh Right now, if you guys are not reading this current run on Spider-Man, it is really, really good. It's a little different because we, of course, there's been a couple of big events in Spider-Man's history on the, in, the, in the books recently. And it seems that maybe his life has had a big downturn and it's kind of affecting his self-confidence, maybe his abilities to fight crime effectively, whatever else. This particular issue really kind of brings those points home. Um, it just, it just, it's the Spider-Man like you've never seen him before. So if you really kind of like to take your classic characters kind of out of their normal, you know, their, their, their normal realms, whatnot. Yeah. That's, it's a really good run around. And it'll be three issues in it's, you know, easy to pick up. Mm -hmm. Um, another one I want to get into, of course, I've been talking about this Thor Hulk crossover here, Banner of War. Uh, yeah, this, there have been many Hulk and Thor fights, over the, over the years. I mean, these guys are celebrating 60 years together now uh, as being, you know, Marvel characters. This is how far this has escalated. This is Thor, gamma radiated, <laughs> looking like a Hulk. It's that bad. But, I mean, this is a fight like nothing, nothing we've ever seen before. We're just... It is, it's brutal. It's destroying worlds, literally. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> exciting. They they started with the Alpha issue, and then it's gone into uh, two issues each of Thor and Hulk, respectively. Uh, but of course, it's been a fun crossover because the same writer, Donny Cates, does both Hulk and Thor. So it's a very easy crossover to do when you get the same writer. So sure, not a lot of problems there. Uh, two DC books after run through here. Uh, of course, I've been gearing everybody up for the big event of the summer for DC, but it's finally arrived. The Dark Crisis. Uh, currently, the classic Justice League. These folks up here, yeah, they're all dead. Everybody's got killed uh, by uh, all these guys back here. Uh, basically, uh, a united who's who of all the big, big alpha bads in the DC universe have gotten together under one banner. Basically, someone more powerful than them is essentially leading them and telling them, let's go take over you know, things where else. So essentially now we've got this great force of evil and it's now up to the next generation of heroes. There's, you know, John Superman's son. Uh, this is Wally West flash over here, obviously Dick Grayson. Uh, of course, back here, you've got all the teen Titans and young justice and such like that. So 
it's a different crisis than what we've normally seen. That's kind of the tag word for any time a big event happens in the DC right, universe, right? right? So, um, <laughs> and so this particular crisis is like the next generation. So it's going to be strange to not see, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all your regulars there. And now we're going to be seeing this next generation to see how they handle things. Uh, last book here, and this is a special one here. This is a really cool one here. Uh, from DC's Black Label, so not for kids, folks. This is the mature <laughs> category here. Uh, this is called Aquaman Andromeda. Uh, this is really cool. Uh, Ram V's the writer on this, and Christian Ward does the art. And let me tell you, this is unlike any Aquaman book you've ever seen before. Here's some of the art oh, here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is pretty cool here. Some very... Very, uh, you know, undersea, very weird, kind of, you know, dreamy stuff sort of here. Uh, but basically, this is sort of an Aquaman horror story. Oh, okay. uh, apparently, there is something has fallen from space and is affecting the ocean and everything else around it. There is uh, what seems to be a U.S. crew or United Nations crew that is investigating it. Uh, also, uh, uh you know, famed uh, Aquaman foe Black Manta is on the job as well. So everybody seems to be looking for this thing, but it's only leading to lots of big trouble. So, uh, and of course, Aquaman's look in there is very non-traditional either. He kind of, you know, has more kind of the darker hair, but the armor looks very much like, you know, somebody who's living under the sea. He wouldn't be living mm -hmm. in plate nail armor. He'd be living in you know, coral and all kinds of stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah, but I don't normally pick up Aquaman books, but that just had a very intriguing look to it. Got a lot of recommendations. I read it and like, yes, this is cool. So, yeah, anyway, so enough of that stuff there. I hope you enjoy that, John. <laughs> so it's cool to catch up. It's, it's been years since I've read anything steady. I used to read, read a lot of Deadpool. Um, the, oh, shoot, I don't remember the, 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 the writer's name, but... I got into it right around this. Actually, it was it was believe it or not, it was Wolverine Origins that got me into Deadpool. Daniel Way okay. was the one who was writing it at the time, and and just oh, just yeah, a great yeah. run. Uh, yeah. There was the the, the Merc with the Mouth uh, series. I, I, yeah. I was a fan of the Deadpool core uh, yeah. with 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 Lady Pool, Lady Deadpool, and Kid Pool, and Head Pool, and Dog Pool. Um, I thought that was some hilarious stuff. Um, I used to even run, loved run the classic Runaways. That was a great run. Um, mm -hmm. Used to used to collect actually all the GI Joes. I've still got GI Joe twenty one, the the Snake Eyes episode. Um, yeah, that's yeah, a celebrated fourth anniversary. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, uh, the uh, I, I was you. yeah I was watching Back to the Future this afternoon. Back to my wife's like, you realize if our kids went back in time, we, we are George and Lorraine's age. <laughs> so, in eighty five, it says a sobering thought. Goodness, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, the IDW who currently. For the, it's only end of the year holds the uh, holds the uh, license for GI Joe. Uh, they did a celebratory 40th anniversary of the silent issue. Uh, first, what they did was they had all these different artists kind of recreate page for page each oh, wow. you know yeah, yeah. page of the issue, and then in the back of the issue they also reprinted the original story. So uh, look for that. Yeah, so it, was, cool. it was really cool. I see another celebration, but yeah, I was like, yeah. I saw it was like 40 years like, ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually just watching some of that yesterday. I mean, it started a series again from the beginning for a little bit. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the thing I love—I I don't know who's—I think it's Deep. I think it's Dark Horse is getting the GI Joe, and I think the Transformers license um, next year. I kind of hope uh, 
you know, Larry Hama, who's currently mm -hmm. writing the, you know, a real American hero book for IDW goes with the license. Uh, they've done other gradual books, but like, but Larry is just like, when he came back to the book mm -hmm. several years ago, the fans just said, thank you. Okay. But no other yeah. gradual necessary. Yeah. You got Larry back. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I so mean, he, he he named them all. He created them all, and I mean that that toy line yeah. is as much his creation as his Hasbro's. So yeah, it really is. Yeah. So yeah, I I so I, I kind of hope, but, but if not, Larry at least has time to wrap things up. That's kind of how the current run is. Like it ends at issue three hundred would be the last issue for oh, wow. yeah, IDW. Yeah. Um, and I think it so, to one fifty six on the original run. So um, yeah, and when he yeah. started his new run, they basically he. The, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, fifty-seven, and we kind of went from mm -hmm. there. So, yep, yep, yeah. So it, that, that was great. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, anywho, uh, before we get to the novel of the book here, uh, I do want to do a short break for comics for kids. So we'll get to that right now. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit CB4K.org. All right, and we're back here. <laughs> yeah, love that charity there. Comic Books for Kids is just yeah, a great service here. So definitely get recognize them. So uh, do have a couple of comments already to see how people saying hello right now. So uh, our prophet of pop culture himself, John Pica, saying hello. Good to see you, John. Glad you're watching. And uh, my... My, my new best friend here, Brian Carson, uh, all the, the host of And I Quote, saying, what's up, nerd? Good to see you, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm excited. We're finally getting to talk about the new 10th anniversary of Bluegrass Brawlers. This is your first wrestling book you did. Mm -hmm. uh, how does it feel to get to this point now, first off? Uh, it's, it's surreal. <laughs> uh, I have a lot, a lot of days and a lot of moments. I'm like, I can't believe what I do. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it started out with this idea uh, originally, um, I guess take take a few steps back. You know, when I was still single, I had a friend move in with me for a little while, brought his entire wrestling library, all of his VHS tapes, his DVDs <clears throat> and his books. Excuse mm -hmm. me. <clears throat> there you go. Brought his books. Uh, that's when I read Foley's uh, Foley's books. I read Have a Nice Day. I read Foley is Good. I read Lawler's book. I just I just I I read every single one of them. I read Kurt Angle's. It's true. It's true. I threw in a day, um, and, and kind of introduced me to the whole genre, which was which was really just kind of starting of, of wrestling books. And um, you know, flash forward years later, you know, I, I had kind of finally gotten out of the theater thing and was was had a steady nice. Uh, side writing job and everything like that, but I was looking for something different, something I hadn't done before, and I'd never done nonfiction. I'd always been a wrestling fan, kind of off and on over the years and stuff. And um, I knew of Mark James, who his he is the authority when it comes to Memphis wrestling, and he'd written a lot of books about Memphis. And Louisville's the number two town 
in the Memphis uh, territory and he had not done a book specifically on Memphis yet. And I was like, well, between Memphis and, you know, OVW, you've got a story there. And then I started doing some Googling online and I find, you know, where Ed Strangler Lewis got his name in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, after no showing and then showing up two weeks later, expecting to go out there as Robert Fredericks. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just a great story. And, and, you know, one day at lunch, I tell my wife, I was like, I'm thinking about writing a book about wrestling in Louisville. I mean, just out of the blue. And she told me to go for it, uh, much to her chagrin ever since. But, uh, you know, from that, you know, you know, with, with that first book, you know, I met Kenny Bolin. I met Jim Cornette. I got to interview Bobby Fulton, um, uh, Terry Sims, who unfortunately has passed away since then. Uh, talked to a lot of OVW guys, thanks to a friend of mine I went to high school with who was there during that whole developmental era. Um, but with with the original version of the book, there was a lot that I missed. And, and part of it is you're writing almost, you know, at the time, close to 140 years. Now it's 145 years of history. Um, yeah. But also at that time, all that that stuff, you know, pre-Memphis was all on microfilm at the library. So it was a matter of going and scrolling through, taking days off or taking Saturdays or whatever, going and scrolling through, you know, and it took forever. Um, a couple of years after that, you know, around the time I wrote Louisville's Greatest Show and I did the deep dive on the Allen Athletic Club, 35 to 57, all that stuff came online. The Courier Journal came online and uh, it was it, it was always I wanted to go back. There were there were some things I wanted to fix. Uh, the biggest glaring error in the original was where I said the Columbia gym had been bulldozed and torn down. Uh, it oh, had not been. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sitting at the library one day and I'm looking at the address and I'm like, wait, that's the corner they're giving us the corner right out here. So I go walking out there and I was like, okay, here's the church. There's the library. Here's the car dealership. And I look down the street and I start walking halfway down the block. Well, there it is. Spalding oh. university. So, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, things I want to, and, and the gaps that I wanted to fill in. So, um, yeah. first thing I did last fall was actually go back and get every wrestling result, 1900 and 1967, uh, oh, recorded. Wow. So if you, that's really how I was able to fill in all the time gaps, uh, found some just amazingly juicy stories about, you know, wrestling in the theaters in the 1930s and twenties and, uh, the rise of the Kentucky athletic commission that has always been a bane of, of the pro wrestling community. And, um, <laughs> You know, it, b b having having spent more time in the wrestling community and gotten to know more people, was able to get a lot more interviews this time around, uh, and, and just some really really great stories. Uh, so I mean, like I said, th this has just been a fun book because you know, uh, as I jerked earlier before we started, I do have the you know mm -hmm. mini John Cosper <laughs> library going on here, folks. So uh, of course we did. Well, you just recently just talked about. Louisville's mm -hmm. Greatest Show, The History of the Allen Athletic Club. This is a great read, folks. I mean, this is like the really, like, very, very early days of wrestling in Louisville and kind of like where the craze got its start. And, I mean, at one point, Louisville was a great powerhouse when it came to wrestling because of this organization. Yeah, and yeah. that way for many, I mean, for decades, you know, even you know, after, you know, you know, hey, you know, the, the, you know, the original, you know, Mr. Allen, he passed away and then uh, was it? Uh, He's, he uh, sold it to, he sold it to the McDonough's in 47. They had been his partners from day one. And then McDonough's the one who pa uh, passed away of cancer in 57. And that's when it kind of died right. out. Um, you know, Indianapolis came down and kind of took it over. Ultimately, Bruiser took it over and it was just a different style. It didn't click with the fans. But um, I did talk to Jerry Jarrett. He was aware that, you know, the Allen Club had run on Tuesdays and that did factor in his decision to run Louisville Gardens on Tuesdays. Yeah. Uh, it, it's always been Louisville's Louisville's uh, night, night night of wrestling. 
Yeah, it really has been. I mean, I, I myself, you know, went to, you know, more than a few matches at the gardens on Tuesdays. Uh, I, so. I can't, yeah, my wife just shakes her head anytime we're somewhere and people are like, oh, we used to go there when I was a kid or my grandma used to go or my dad used to go. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was just part of the culture, you know, and I, one of my favorite stories in there is, is one uh, Dean Hill told me about, you know, every Tuesday night, the Louisville police noticed that domestic calls dropped in the Portland neighborhood between about seven o'clock and 11 o'clock. <laughs> and they did some research like, oh, they're all at the Louisville Gardens. <laughs> so, with, uh, that, that building was packed every Tuesday night. So, you know, that, there was there were there were fewer calls. There, you go. there were incidents inside the Louisville Gardens. There were plenty of those. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and, and of course, uh, I did want to point out here, I've got them on the screen here, uh, John's website, Eat, Sleep, Wrestle, where you can find all things John Cosper on there, not just your wrestling books, but of course your your action, your horror books, your sci-fi, your children's books as well. So yeah, you got no kinds of stuff on there, man. <laughs> there's a lot. There's there's a whole lot. <laughs> Uh, and, and every day new opportunities come along. I, people I get to talk to. Um, there's a new one I just put out by a lady named Mars Bennett who wrestled from 50 to 57. She was a former circus girl and uh, pinup star and, and tragically died in a car accident. But I got to talk to a lady who wrestled her, you know, wow. who was actually not just lady who wrestled her. The lady who was in the car was thrown from the car during the car accident. So, I mean, I, again, I have these moments where I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe who I'm talking to. And, um, you know, last last summer while I was working on Wahoo McDaniel's book, I went to the Hall of Fame in Iowa. And, you know, I, I, I had discovered by that point, you get two reactions when you ask somebody about Wahoo McDaniel. You get the, uh, you know, no, I never met Wahoo. Or you get the big grin and shaking the head like, yep. I know why. <laughs> As Kevin yeah. Sullivan told me, he's like, I'm still hurting from Wahoo. <laughs> um, it, it, it's neat when you get like people of a certain age when you start talking wrestling and they were fans at one point or if they still are. And then they start telling you like who their favorites were, who they grew mm -hmm. up with. or And you kind of get a lot of those, you, you know, definitely people like in their, you know, of course, now like maybe getting in their 50s and 60s and 70s. You know, like they, you know, a lot of those regional stars, you can definitely tell where they grew up. In. You know, if they're That's a certain right. guy, yep. it's like, oh, you didn't grow up around here. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. So, although oddly enough, I never watched Mr. Wrestling, but at that time when I moved here, middle school to high school, ESPN was running world-class championship wrestling every every afternoon. So I'm watching the yeah. Von Erics and I'm watching the Freebirds, and that's still my happy place, you know, is going to watch those guys. And well, that you know, if you grew up on Memphis wrestling, Texas wrestling wasn't too terribly fun. They were they were they were pretty close because I think Texas wrestling maybe had more rules. Maybe I don't know. I mean, there, there seemed to be a little more. I mean, things would get wild and crazy, but it only like busted out for special times. Memphis would get wild and crazy because the day ended in Y. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. to me, there's lots of fun little moments, you know, of course, you know, going through, I, I got to read about um, a little more than a third of the book last night, uh, but I love this, you know, set of pictures here. Oh, so gosh, yeah. Yeah, so you get this, you know, who's who of great wrestlers back in the day here, but uh, fans of a certain age are here. This right here is Mae Young. So, and you can see that she was quite the looker back oh, in the day. Yeah, she was gorgeous. Yeah, so it, it just always blows my mind hearing stories about her, just exactly how tough she was. And like mm -hmm. a lot of men would talk about how tough she was. And uh, was it uh, a Bully Ray when he, you know, put her, put May through the table, 
you know, he was in WWE. <laughs> You know, like there was a couple of times they were, you know, set up other, you know, spots, you know, previous to the big one that we jumped on the stage and she's like, you know, she slapped him around one time after a show and she's like, you know, don't ever pull that stuff again on me. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, power bomb. Yeah. <laughs> you, you treat me like you treat the boys. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You're 80. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was the one. She, she would go down to the bar. She would play cards with the men and she would just look for an excuse. She just wanted to fight. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, out of some of the newer factoids you've got, you know, in this edition, what's one of your favorites? Oh, let's see. Uh, I really love the story um, of it, it was it was a whole era that I had jumped over originally, and it was it was the wrestling in the theaters. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of did the story in the original version, went up to 1920, kind of the end of World War II, and kind of that early heyday when they started the the, the Derby Eve wrestling shows, and of course, Strangle Lewis, Joe Stecker, um, Charlie Cutler, a lot of, a lot of those big names from the 19 uh, the 19-teens. But then I jumped to 1935, and again, it was just you know it's it's a matter of do I want to spend the next 20 years going through the newspaper archives, not knowing they were going to be online. In, in about two or three years after that, but um, jumped right to 1935 in the Allen Athletic Club. And there was a whole story about the Gaiety Theater, which was the burlesque theater downtown, and right up the street, the Savoy Theater, which was the Vaudeville Theater, and the rivalry that they had and, and competing for fans and uh, putting on shows. Um, the Gaiety, of course, had their own issues with, with being shut down for a decency, which was really more political. <laughs> you know, he was shut down because all the people that were in town that were very powerful and everything, they were over at the National Theater, which was showing even more vulgar shows but all okay. the hoity toity of louisville were going to the national so we can't shut that one down um right. but yeah I mean, you had abe finberg who was quite a character at the gaiety theater you had uh you know cj blake uh over at the savoy theater and then of course there's the rise of it back then it was called this is great the kentucky state board of control you know the, the mm-hmm. athlete which was the the precursor to the the athletic uh the athletic uh commission that, that now governs right. Uh, Kentucky being one of the most restrictive states in, in the country, for better or worse. Um, yeah, but uh, they were originally set up, and it, it, under the original law, as it was written, they had jurisdiction over boxing, but not wrestling. Uh, as wrestling started to make more money, they they wanted to step over. They wanted to, well, someone needs to govern that too. And C.J. Blake, who owned the Savoy, was completely defiant. Said nope, nope, and he, you know. Uh, let his license lapse the state. He just ran outlaw and they couldn't stop him from running shows. He got a you know, lawyer. He got an injunction. They continued to run. The athletic board attempted many times to prop up somebody else in town to run opposition. Abe Finberg's booking heavyweights over at the armory, which is now the Louisville gardens. And he's not drawing a fraction of what they're drawing week in, week out for people who want to see right. blacksmith Pedigo and Billy love and all the popular stars at the Savoy. So, yeah, and we talk about Blake, but I mean, you know, Blake owned the theater and run the place. It was Haywood Allen who ran the Allen athletic club. He's the one booking the guys. Haywood Allen's the one who, who knew how to run the show and, and really was, became Louisville's and, you know, wrestling impresario for almost 20 years. Wow, that, that's fascinating. It's just like I said, there's so many stories and just the whole history and everything. It's really just fascinating to me. Uh, of course, you, know, you get you know more. You know, you, you touch a lot on in you know, the early part of the book about the Allen Athletic Club and its importance in global wrestling. But of course, you've got an entire book devoted to the whole kind mm-hmm. of like you know year to year sort of thing. But uh, really, there's some kind of like some bits of global history that are kind of fascinating. Uh, to wrestling fans, kind of like some of the early, like, real characters in wrestling. I mean, it used to be like, you know, your faces were just basically an athletic guy, a stretcher, you know, some, you know, your, your Luthezes and, you know, Ed Strangler Lewis, that sort of guys like that. 
but then you really started kind of getting some kind of like, I guess maybe like in the thirties and forties guys started to get a little more creative. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite story would be uh, Lord Patrick Lansdowne Finnegan. <laughs> kind of the, oh, I love that guy. <laughs> kind of the original bad guy heel. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you want to go into his story a little bit there? Yeah, Lord, uh, you have Lord Finnegan to thank for everybody on down to Ric Flair and Tracy Smothers. Um, Lord Finnegan, he, he was a guy named Wilbur Finran. He was a farm boy from Ohio. And <laughs> he, came up, he came up with the idea. Interesting side note, too, about him for those of you old school movie buffs. Um, it, 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 you know, he's passed away now, but a, a great wrestling historian named J. Michael Kenyon. Uh, and I be, became friends you know, early on when I was writing these books. He was also very much obsessed with the, you know, death slash murder question mark of Thelma Todd, who appeared in a couple of right. Marx Brothers movies. Uh, Lord Finnegan is actually one of the last people to have seen her alive and was called into oh, some wow. of the in relation to her, to her death. So, which was ruled an accident, but neither J. Michael Kenyon nor I believe that. So, um, yeah. but uh, no, he, he came up with the concept of, you know, he, you know, everybody, you know, he was just another face, you know, I'm wearing black trunks, I'm wearing black boots and he wanted to stand out. So he got the monocle, he got the cape. He got himself a butler to stand at ringside with him. He became Lord uh, Lord Le Patrick Lansdowne, fin Lord Finnegan. There were multiple combinations of names. Patrick yeah. Lansdowne, I think, was the most common. Uh, but he, uh, he he invented this whole persona. He put on the fake British accent. You know, nobody in Louisville, Kentucky knew you know, how good his accent sure. was. Um, but he he ended up inspiring. You know, there was another, you know, dark-haired baby face named George Wagner. He wasn't going anywhere, and he saw what, you know, Finnegan was doing is like, oh, there we go. He created the effeminates kind of all you know, American alteration of it being gorgeous George. Um, another guy, Tug Carlson, he wasn't going anywhere. He was blonde. Uh, so he didn't actually actually bleach his hair, but he created the character uh, Lord Leslie Carlton. Um, he was actually a descendant of Hungarian royalty and could have passed himself off as being German. But yeah. as he told his daughters, like, I wanted them to hate me. I didn't want them to try to kill me. Uh, so, yeah. You know, right after World War II. So, but he he became the British aristocrat, Lord Carlton. Um, you know, from there you, you have the evolution of the character with, with, but the buddy Rogers comes along creating the nature boy, uh, you know, on, again, on down to Ric Flair. And the reason I say Tracy Smothers is if you watch Tracy Smothers, he was a redneck version of gorgeous George, you know, Hey, don't pull my hair. Don't pull my hair. Can't even, he's got, you know, he just, there you go. Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I say you talk, talk about a guy. It was, it was an honor to get to know him and, and a guy that I wow. missed because he would text or call once, twice a week. And, and uh, I mean, a, a more loving and, and generous guy. You, you, you couldn't ask to, to know he was great. So. Uh, and I got to see him perform a few times in the ring uh, for OVW when they would do house shows here in Elizabethtown. So uh, they, course you know they stopped doing uh the house shows here in e-town around town now snow bought the company so but, i mean it was within like the last maybe you know five to seven years of tracy's life so mm -hmm. i mean he, the man still had it he could still pull a crowd uh he was insane as ever so yeah it just <laughs> he could he could barely he could barely walk into the building he'd do his stretches and everything and he would yeah. come out he'd be out there for 25 minutes and he'd wrestle for maybe two of it and you'd be entertained the entire time you know i mean yeah you're right he spent most of the time just screaming at the audience mm -hmm. uh, and uh -huh. having us scream back at him i mean it was yeah Oh, he loved he he loved it, and we loved it. And uh, actually, yeah. buddy, buddy of mine was telling me he was there one night with a bunch of his friends, and they were cheering him incessantly, refusing to boo him while he's playing heel. And he comes over to the ropes, he leans over, "Hey, fellas, 
I'm trying to earn a living here. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and like I say, I mean, generous to a fault. I mean, the man, he would sit behind the curtain. He would watch every single match. Uh, he would give anybody who wanted feedback, and it was always positive, constructive feedback. Yeah. You know, he'd give him his number, he'd give him his Facebook, uh, keep in touch with him. He'd reach out to him if he found out they were injured or something was going on. Um, I mean, really gave so much back. I mean, it, it's it's impossible to calculate how many Smothers kids there are out there uh, in this business. How many guys? You know, even CM, CM Punk tweeted out. You know, had a really nice you know t- testament to him on yeah. uh, after he passed away. So yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, it, it's always you know fascinating to me to you know separating the performer from the person. There's been so many times that you know meet and greets or at shows where else there's certain wrestlers I wanted to approach to say you know hey I like your stuff you're awesome, but especially like you know if they're a heel, there's still that 12 year old inside of me that's like just <laughs> I can't go near my I couldn't go near Arn Anderson at a convention because it's the enforcer. But even like my buddy who went with me to the show, he got talking. He's like, dude, he's like talking to your grandpa. He's nice. He's great. I'm like, no, it's the enforcer. I can't go there. <laughs> And a lot of the, I'll tell you a lot of these guys they're 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 so they're so easy to talk to. I mean, they're there because they want to tell their stories. They they're there to swap stories with their buddies, but they love stopping and talking. And um, I'll tell you I'll tell you a guy you've never heard of, but he's one of my favorite people in the business. Um, met him out in Iowa. His name's Rock Riddle, and he was the original Mister Wonderful. He was very very big out in California. Okay. Um, I see him walking around. He's he's in a you know a thousand dollar suit. He he works in Hollywood and in a number of different capacities behind the scenes and everything. Uh, got the bleach blonde hair and the ponytail. He's wearing sunglasses inside. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I know I I've seen his name. I don't know. I Google him real quick and I pull up his Wikipedia and he comes over to my table and I'm like, so I understand you knew Chuck Barris. And we hit it right off and we start talking about the gong show, uh, start talking about a lot of his adventures. And I mean, you talk about a character, you know, I mean, he just a, a guy who loves to tell stories and a lo- loves to share, share about his history. And, and he'll sit there and tell you this, this is, you know, I was like, you know what my biggest regret is in this business? My biggest regret is I never got to sit ringside and watch myself. I, I am Mr. Wonderman, and I, I envy you because you can sit there and you can watch me, but I can't do that because I am. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, but uh, yeah, and it was it was funny. Uh, I'll go back to last, see, last February. It was right before my father passed. He was in the hospital and, and got home late one night and and turned on YouTube and turned on Fernwood Tonight, which is an old show with Martin Mull and. Fred oh, Willard, yeah. 70s. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. dad was a big fan of both of those guys. And I never watched an episode of it. For some reason that night, I'm going to watch an episode of it. So I scroll mm-hmm. through and there's one that's titled The Wrestler. So I click that one and turn it on. And of course, it's it's the show is hilarious. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's not humor you could do today, but it is hilarious. Yeah. And they introduce the wrestler. The wrestler comes walking out and I'm like, holy crap, it's Rock Riddle. <laughs> yeah. Playing a different character, but it's like, it's, and I take a picture, it's like, Rock, Rock, you're on my TV right now. So, um, but I mean, these guys, they, they love it. You know, they're there because they want to tell, you know, they want to meet the fans. They want to shake hands. They want to tell stories. And um, I mean, some of the most awesome people in the world, you know, I really, um, I got to know Mark Henry when I was working on the black Panther book, he wrote the, the foreword and Mark, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about him. If he sees somebody walking around in one of his shirts, he will call you over and he will sign that shirt. You know, that's awesome. He's gonna sign it for you. But you spent the money on my shirt. I'm gonna sign it for you. I mean, just just that, that generous and, and kind. And uh, um, and you, you'll find too the heels in real life are actually they're the nicest guys. You know, not that not that the baby faces are not cool, but uh, the, the heels are great to talk to. They're they're a lot of fun. 
Um, Princess Victoria, you know, she's like, I always rode with the heels because they were more fun. I did. They were my buddies. You know, she's like, I would have loved to work heel. I couldn't. I was an Indian princess. It was frustrating. It was killing me. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally can attest to the uh, kindness and generosity of Mark Henry. Mm -hmm. um, I, many years ago, I did a little bit of security work for OVW at work, a couple shows and whatnot. Got, I was yelled at by Jim Cornette one time for not <laughs> a lot of the money, or keeping people away from the uh, the reporters away from like you know the ringside area, and whatnot. So mm -hmm. you know, making a clear path for the wrestlers to come through. Right, George, right. For God's sakes, you know better. <laughs> I, got, I got I got yelled at by Jim. Well, not just me; it was myself and a bunch of other people, but. Yeah, uh, there was like a bunch of meet and greets uh, they did before the show. And then after the show, uh, there was a big after party at a uh, local bar. Uh, this was when they still had OVW quarterly shows at the gardens where they would bring in like mm -hmm. the big WWE guys. Oh, yeah. So it was like Stone Cold, Kane, uh, Hardys were there. Um, yeah. And at the time, both Mark Henry and Big Show were still in OVW. Mm -hmm. like they're just in their you know, yeah. retraining there. Uh, but at the after party, uh, Mark Henry is a dancing machine. That man never left the floor. And he's, this is like January, and he's wearing like a cable net sweater and sweating buckets. But he's just <laughs> boogieing, doing his thing. Always had a bottle of water in his hand, even though he never left the floor. Somebody was feeding him water. So that was good. <laughs> But at one point, I was playing Wallflower, just standing on the, you know, with a bunch of people not dancing because I, I can't dance. Yeah. Uh, and I get, I was not looking, and I get grabbed by the wrist. And it's Mark, and he pulls me <laughs> on the dance floor, and then pulls some very attractive woman in front of me. It's like <laughs> dance, and so I'm like, yeah, sure. you know, and so I'm like, hey, is it her? And she's like, no, and walks away. Uh, so, <laughs> But just that was just such a cool moment. Like I was like, he was just trying to just get us into the party. He was yeah. just grabbing people off the wall and pulling yeah. them. So that was really cool. And I got to tell him that uh, years later at a convention where he was doing signing. So I got to tell him that story. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that, yeah. I'll never forget that. But yeah, I was like, it just blew me away. Like that man just never stopped moving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I love what he's doing with AEW now. I mean, he's he's working behind the scenes training those guys too. But uh, you know, I, I love yeah. You, usually on on Friday nights, I, I that's when I go to Planet Fitness because I don't have cable and I can watch Rampage. And it's yeah. time for the main event. Uh, you know, I just I, I I love the contrast between how they treat the veterans, not just like how they treat the veterans, but how they employ them. Uh, yeah. You know, using them as managers, using them to get the younger guys over, and using them behind the scenes. I mean, you know, you don't know. How, you know, people are like, oh, they're just wasting him. They're wasting the big shot. No, those guys are coaching those young guys. Yeah. Jungle Boy and Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, they are becoming who they are because of those guys behind the scenes. So, and, and the same with the ladies, too. So, You're absolutely right. I mean, in, in the last couple of weeks alone, you know, of course, Wardlow's been getting a big, big push in mm -hmm. AEW. Before his big match at Double or Nothing, he was delivering a lot of punches that looked very familiar, mm -hmm. seeing as now you got Mr. Paul White in the company. Mm -hmm. It's like... Mm -hmm. The way, it's like, okay, Anthony Agogo is a boxer, so he doesn't need any helping when it comes to punching. Right. But you've got a big guy like Wardlow, and he wants to do a, you know, a punch kind of moves. Like, well, there's no better person to look at than, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so then, the, you know, as I understand, the, the contrast between, you know, again, the, what they're doing with AEW, and then when they bring them in, oh, we're going to bring back the old timer, you know, quote unquote, old timers on Raw, and they just bring some yeah. new guy in to run them down verbally, or, you know, bodies, you know, get a cheap pin on somebody. It's 
it's like, you know, it, it, there's it, there's a level of respect that's, yeah. you know, it, it's surprising that WWE would lose that. But then again, maybe not. But I mean, the business was passed on from the veterans to the young ones, you know, and it was, you know, being told, you know, you sit here, you shut up, you listen uh, and, yeah. and you and you learn your trade. So and it's it, it's it's a different world now. Um, you know, I, I love the story about CM Punk, Chris Hero. Colt Cabana and Dave Prezak coming down every week to go to work at IW Made Mid South when they were out in Charleston, um, in Indiana, right up the road from where you and I both both grew up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and they would they would stay at Ian's trailer that night, and Ian's got tapes from Mexico and Japan, and they'd stay up all night watching these tapes and absorbing them. And wrestlers today, they've got YouTube, you know, and I mean, right. just the wealth of wrestling that is out there um it was really cool too because um i brought princess victoria in a couple weeks ago for for a girl mm-hmm. fight show over here in jeffersonville and yep. uh, right before that week before that al snow had pulled out an old princess victoria velvet mcintyre tag match had everybody at ovw sit down and go they didn't know we, we didn't make a you know trip over to ovw or anything like that it was just coincidental but uh yeah. you know, shirley mckenzie who referees over there she's like yeah he, al sat down and walked us through the whole match broke it down step by step and you know just learn from the past um there's I, I always i always tell young wrestlers when when i can and you know when if they're you know, you know i'm sharing books with them or whatever you know there's stuff that these people did back in the day you know where it's black panther jim mitchell lord carlton mars bennett elvira snodgrass mildred burke whatever hasn't been seen in 50 60 years um right. there's a girl that I, I came across when i was writing the mars bennett book named daisy may and you know Similar kind of gig, I, I gimmick, I guess, to, to kind of Molly Holly with her hick character, you know. But right. she wore the plaid, she wore the, she wore the jeans, she wrestled barefoot, but she would come and work ringside with her husband. I, I don't recall her husband's name, uh, but kind of like it's what would be considered a valet today. And she mm-hmm. always had bubble gum, and she could blow a bubble as big as her head, and she would pop it in the other guy's face. It's like <laughs> I haven't ever seen that in WWE. I've never seen that. There's there's a perfect example of something that somebody hasn't done for ages, and let's all yeah. come new again i know well, and, um I, i'm not sure if she's still wrestling anymore because i haven't really seen her much but there was one uh, uh female wrestler in the independence who basically came out with her golden retriever no and <laughs> I, don't know if she's, I think she was wrestling in california but yeah she came out with a golden retriever and sometimes the dog will get a bigger pop than she would yeah <laughs> but, That's yeah. A, yeah you had farmer burns back in the day from arkansas with his pet pig and uh of course, Coco Beware had Frankie, and, and, and the Bulldogs had Matilda, and Matilda um, Jake yeah. had his snakes, and yeah, and there's uh, still so much, you know. I, I, there, there were two different Russian wrestlers on the last Girl Fight show, and it was two very different Russian characters. You had you had Annika, who was more she's wrestling against Sawyer Rack, and you so you got about a foot and a half difference between the two ladies, and Annika's right. playing the comic, the comic heel, and with with the bad Russian accent and everything. No, please, please do not do this to me. And then right after that, really literally right after that, we go into Mickey Knuckles and Masha Slamovich. And Masha actually speaks Russian and is screaming and cussing and yelling in Russian the whole time fighting against Mickey and Mickey screaming back at her. I can't understand what you're saying. And then, you know, I mean, just throwing a slug fest. But I mean, even right there, you can have two Russian women on the same show and it's not repetitive because it's two very different Russian characters. Um, it really is. Yeah. You know, there's, and it's, it's, it's neat to see that creativity and, and to see, to, to see what people are coming up with. And, you know, I, again, you know, if you go back and just, just go back and look in the history books, you know, find somebody that hasn't read, you know, hasn't been seen or heard of since, you know, 1957 or whatever, you're going to find some cool stuff, some, some things you can pull off. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, you know, the fun thing about wrestling is it just seems that, you know, 
there's always a, a level of borrowing and, mm-hmm. you know, or sometimes tributes to and whatever else. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised that, you know, kind of this, you know, day and age of, you know, acceptance with LGBTQ, that we're not seeing a lot more flamboyant, you know, wrestlers. I mean, you've got like, you know, Sonny Kiss, you've got Dalton Castle, you know, today, but it's like, you know, there's still like just a couple of those guys. Like, you know, I'm surprised we haven't seen either, you know, more of those on the national level or kind of the kind of rising of those kind of characters, you know, on the independent levels. Yeah. And it's, well, I mean, it, up until a certain point, you know, in, in history, characters like that were played more for getting heat. It was more about, you know, Gorgeous George was out there playing the effeminate character and it wasn't because he was trying to get cheers, you know? So, I mean, attitudes have changed and, and outlooks have changed. And I, I think you'll see, see that continuing to evolving and changing here in the couple, next couple of years. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and you know, unfortunately it's, it's one of those things too, where there's probably certain places in the country, you know, Sonny Kiss went in there, he's going to get booed no matter what, you know, and that's, you know, that's just, that's the geography and that's, that's, that's the local crowd. And that's a, it's an unfortunate sure. thing. Um, but then again, you know, I mean, we got, we got the, the Black Panther story. Um, you read, you read the Black Panther book. He's wrestling against Angelo Martino in a town that, you know, it was known everybody in that crowd, everybody in that crowd had a white face and everybody in that crowd had a white sheet with two eye holes in it hanging up mm-hmm. in their closet. And because everybody hated Angelo Martino so much, they were cheering for Jim Mitchell. So yeah, there's a way, there's a way, there's always a way to get somebody over and, and to get people cheering, even for somebody that, that they, they might not necessarily cheer. And, you know, is that going to change your mind? Is it going to change your attitude about something? Maybe, maybe not, but I mean, there's a way, there's always a way. Absolutely. Of course, I mean, one of my favorite Jim Mitchell stories uh, would be based the time that he actually got to wrestle Gorgeous George and mm-hmm. that was a huge thing because they did this in Louisville. And at the time, there was still segregation for wrestlers. Like, black wrestlers were not allowed to wrestle white wrestlers at the time. That that wasn't in Louisville. That was actually in Los Angeles. He, he never got oh, to wrestle. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, Bobo Brazil was the first to break the color barrier in Louisville. And he did it against Letty Montana, who was, uh, what, was he Luki Brazzi in The Godfather? I believe. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, the, the gorgeous, the, the thing about the, the Jim Mitchell, gorgeous George match was this was August 28th. I want to say 24th. No, it was 28th, 1949. Um, George throws Jim Mitchell out of the ring. Won't let him back in. He's trying to crawl in. He hits him with a boot. Fan comes rushing in the ring, goes after gorgeous George and gorgeous George lays him out. And then the riot starts in the Olympic auditorium, Mitchell and George make it to the back. As I understand it, there was a trap door and a tunnel underneath the ring. They could get back to the locker room without having to go through that crowd. But that crowd fought till two, three in the morning. A couple of people were sent to the hospital. Some lawsuits were filed. Um, and I used to have Jim Mitchell's, his ledger, you know, of, of what he yeah. made during that particular time period. Jim Cornette has it now. And if you look at August, 1949, you can see, you know, right at the end of the month, there's a couple of expenses, you know, uh, airfare to New York. So many dollars license in new york license in new jersey uh they, they sent mitchell up to, to new york for six months until the heat died down and uh I, I i guess he was he was more expendable than gorgeous george but you know that's i don't even call that a race thing that's just gorgeous george he was the you know probably the number two man most responsible for selling televisions back at that time next to milton yeah, yeah actually uh it's yeah. kind of kind of hard to see but uh here on this it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to see, but, but this was the letter that uh, Jim Mitchell was sent. Yep, uh, I've, got, I've got it sitting in a binder right over here. I've got that letter and I've got that program still. Those are those are two things I'm not happy of. Just press it's downtown. Answer a few questions about last yeah. night's event. 
I mean, that, that was a, you, you talk about it. I can't believe this moment, but I've been researching him for a couple of years. I got an email from a guy who said, Hey, my buddy bought Jim Mitchell's house uh, as a flip a couple of years ago. I think he still got some of his stuff. So I call yeah. this guy up. We make arrangements. We meet in Toledo. We go meet for breakfast at Frisch's and then we drive over to his house and his living room is just full of boxes and tubs. Uh, Mitchell collected smoking pipes from around the world and six of these right. tubs are full. I mean, we're talking thousands of pipes. Uh, some of them absolutely Gosh. gorgeous. And as I, I haven't talked to, to the guy for a while, but I believe it's all still up there. Uh, he's wanting somebody to buy it. I don't know if anybody can ever give him the right price. We got to find somebody who loves pipes and loves pro wrestling and has an interest in this history that to get it off his hands, but because it, it's an amazing collection. Um, but I mean, and he's got posters, he's got, you know, letters, he's got tons and tons of photographs. And first thing I open, first thing I'm going through, I find that program and I find that letter. I set both of them aside and says, I'm buying these personally. <laughs> so um, I actually went through it. We cataloged every, everything except the pipes we cataloged um and uh took took photos of took scans of we sold everything on ebay um i helped i did all the ebay selling for him and he, he cut me a, a small commission on it all um i ended up with a pair of boots and one of his travel cases and a number of things uh the boots and the travel case are now over at the fraser museum and hoping knock on wood they'll be on display sometime in the next year or so Good, yeah um, that was i mean just walking in and seeing all this history of this person that you know and seeing these pipes that i'd read about you know in countless interviews with him and how proud he was of the collection uh it was just remarkable to just you know here it is this is his stuff you know i mean yeah. uh, i've got his handgun you know permit you know in that you know thing over there i've got his wife's driver's license and uh stuff from when he was in the army and and uh um i had a set of letters from where he was coaching the basketball you know team at, at the little the army base where he was at and trying to find right. somebody to play a game against him so um I, have, having your hands on this real history is, is just, just priceless. You know, um, you, you mentioned Dr. D David Schultz earlier too. Um, I mean, I had boxes and boxes of his stuff and I mean, I'm <laughs> reading through depositions, legal depositions, you know, here's John Stossel's deposition from the lawsuit against WWE. Here's David's deposition from the lawsuit. And then this legal, there was a legal pad and I'm reading through the legal pad and it's all these notes from a lawyer and it's all from Vince McMahon's deposition. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it was just cool. My favorite, my favorite moment with that particular book, though, was uh, I go walking. You know, it was probably ten, eleven o'clock at night. I go walking upstairs with this fancy looking envelope. I hand it to my wife. It's like, can you tell me what this is? And she opens it up, and there's a second envelope inside. And you open it up, and you're invited to the wedding of Terry Belay. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's wedding invitation. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I mean, you just come across these things. It's like, I cannot believe what, what I'm seeing here. So um, yeah, yeah, that was, that, was, that was cool. That's awesome. And you know, of course, I mean, you know, we're here talking about bluegrass brawlers, but folks, sure. if you want a salacious read right here <laughs> of stuff that just, you can't believe that not only did this happen, but that Mr. Schultz is still alive today and mm -hmm. he's not you know, in a you know Turkish prison or <laughs> you know anything, but yeah, like this this is the man right here. Let me tell Let's you. Say his his, his, his bounty hunting his bounty hunting stories are are as good, if not better, than his wrestling stories. He's actually doing a appearance in a couple weeks out on the East Coast with a um, and Mr. Big is bringing him in, and twenty five lucky fans, quote unquote, who are willing to pay the price. Will get to film themselves being slapped by Dr. D. David Schultz. 
I hope they don't like what their team. Lifetime? I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they're. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be waivers signed. So, if for no <laughs> nothing else, the William Castle effect of just, just, just part of the gimmick. So, oh, that's yeah. that's beautiful. I mean, you know, of course, I, mean, I, I, you know, remember that story very well. And John Stossel like mm-hmm. kept going on about how much you know his ears were still ringing weeks later, and uh-huh. you know, like uh-huh. he just you know poured it on. So it's like, yep. We tried to reach out. I got a hold of his assistant. We tried to get him to give a quote for the book, and he didn't. Of course, of course, he resurfaces for Dark Side of the Ring and, and decides to go full heel on it and everything. And yeah, yeah, no, no. You watch, you watch, you watch that video, and, and everybody in that hallway knew what was going on. You you can see it, in Mr. Fuji's face down the hall. <laughs> He's watching because he knows something good's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, hey, once again, we are here talking about John's uh, 10th anniversary re-release here of Bluegrass Brawlers, uh, which you can get at eatsleepwrestle.com. Uh, I highly recommend getting this book and many of his other wrestling biographies because you've got you know quite the you know array of you know people from very early wrestling history to you know come kind of more of the 20th century stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, you've got you know books about Madman Pondo and Chris Candido mm-hmm. as well. Um, is there any wrestler you haven't got to yet that you want to, or somebody that's being elusive that you want to cover? Uh, I, I always tell people the guy that I, I enjoyed the most as a kid and would love love to to work with would be Kevin Von Erich. Um, I was I was a big Von Erich fan, as I understand it, and I I certainly wouldn't blame him at all. Uh, he's probably tired of telling his family story. It is, it is one of the most tragic stories in, in, in wrestling history. Um, okay. You know, what, what happened to, to his brothers and, and that family. But man, I was, I was a WCCW fan and uh, um, I, t- I, I've done some, some digging and found out, I guess the Simpson brothers from Australia still live in Houston and, and they ran a furniture store for a number of years. I wouldn't mind working with, you know, that would be fun too, but um you know, certainly he, he's. Yeah, if I were to pick one, that would be that would be the one. Would uh, yeah. would be Kevin. Yeah, I. I you, it's still. I mean, it, the whole Von Eric, you know, rise and fall is one of the most fascinating stories mm-hmm. in wrestling history. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he's he's told enough for WWE. <laughs> he's told for Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I can. I can definitely see why. I cer- certainly, I've gotten to write. You know, I mean, with with the historical bios, I've gotten to write about people that that really fascinated me. You know, Bluegrass Brawlers is what led to the Black Panther Jim Mitchell. Bluegrass Brawlers is what led to Elvira Snodgrass. Uh, Elvira Snodgrass led to to, to Mars Bennett. Um, I've got to work on some really great ones. I got to work with great storytellers. Um, yeah. You know, the Chris Candido story is one that was an absolute, you know, d- despite its its tragedy, it was an absolute joy to work on because you'll never find anybody to say a crossword about Chris Candido. Right. Um, he's and just, you know, when you start to think about the what if scenarios, if he hadn't gotten on that plane, if he somebody had told him not to fly two days after surgery and, you know, that, that hadn't happened. You know, he just cleaned up his life. He was just getting back things back together. You know, would he be running the performance center in Orlando? Would he be one of those guys backstage with AEW, you know, training those yeah. guys, you know, what impact would he have had on ROH or, you know, impact or right. any of these things, you know, and, yeah. you know, where would he be and where, where would Tammy be for that matter? Um, you know, but uh, um, Wahoo was was a lot of fun to work on, work on. A lot of great stories. Uh, Princess Victoria and I have become very good friends. Uh, she's another one just like Tracy that uh, she takes a very positive look at the modern indie wrestlers. Uh, 
Um, I think every single girl that was at that girl fight show left with her phone number, um, oh. Facebook friends with her. Uh, she gave all of them feedback and, and everything like that. She loved every single match. She was cheering along and screaming and, and, and hooting and hollering. Um, you know, just uh, a really, really awesome lady. Um, you mentioned Madman Pondo as well. We're actually working on a, on a second volume of his stories. And um, oh, good. I mean, Another guy who just his his impact on this business is not measurable because of all the people that he has shared locker rooms with, all the people he said, "Hey, you're riding with me this weekend. Hey, you need to come here," uh, and, and just what he's done with Girl Fight. I mean, if you go back and you look at the, you know, seven year history of Girl Fight at this point, and look at where all of those girls have gone on to, um, and he's he's got a couple of them right now. I mean, I think we we all know Billy Starks is going to sign someplace down the road. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's not even a question of if. It's just just a question of where so uh and one of the reasons why she's on the book cover so um but you know i know I, i've gotten to work with great people i've got to tell great stories um it, it's just it's really been a blessing and an honor to do what i do and uh um you know like like i said you know there, there's there's people whose stories i'd love to tell and, and and work with um i certainly do have do have a list of some other you know dream stories that, that, that are out there but um to be able to go back and you know Actually, it was uh, Greg Oliver asked me the other day. It's like, what's the market for a book about a girl like Mars Bennett? It's like, not big, <laughs> you know. Uh, most yeah. fans don't know who she is, but you know, it's something. You know, it, it's on me to to get that word out there. You know, it means a whole lot to her family. You know, I got to talk to her niece and and um, uh, you know, who, who was was gifted a lot of Mars and stuff for photos and things like that. Um, it's kind of try to help carry that legacy. Uh, means the world to her and that family that 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 book is out there. Um, Mars was actually she she had a partner in Bell Drummond. Uh, they they were actually a romantic couple, you know, in the 1950s together, and and, and oh, had a house, and had a car, and and everything like that. And it means you know I've I've gotten to become friends with Bell's daughter, who's named Mars Bell Drummond. Um, it means a lot to her that you know her story and Mars's story, you know, is is now a, a written you know part of history. And um, you know, I, I mean, it's it's all about you know, I mean, books like that are all about you know, I want to know the story. I want to know who this person was. I want to know, you know, why they became a wrestler. I want to know, you know, what they did. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I certainly have no complaints about that where I've been and the, the places I've got to do and um, the stories I've gotten to tell. And uh, it, it's been quite a ride and it hasn't stopped yet. I can imagine. <laughs> All right. So we've delved enough into the wrestling history. So let's talk a little bit present day before we wrap up the show here. Uh, so get your takes on some hot issues uh, going on in wrestling right now. Uh, first off, we got to talk about MJF since we know we're both uh, AEW fans here. Uh, let's see, two weeks ago on AEW Dynamite, MJF delivers a scathing promo Kind of, you know, very much related to the uh, infamous CM Punk Mike bomb, or, you know, the pipe bomb, where he's just basically going off on the company, his own, you know, status within it, his frustrations with the company, and all that sort of stuff. Is this real? Is this the work of works? What do you think? It's entertainment. I mean, I, I don't, I, I haven't, yeah, you know, I've, I've watched a little bit. I missed the pay-per-view and, and honestly, I missed, uh, missed Dynamite that week. I need to go back and watch that promo because I heard it was, was quite great. Um, MJF is a guy, you know, I, I sat next to him at a table in Jeffersonville shortly after All In. Um, and I listened to him tell some guy, I don't want you to buy my shirt. You're too fat. 
even at, you know, when he was 21, 22 years old at that time, he was yeah. living the gimmick. So, I mean, the only people that know what's going on with MJF is MJF. I don't even know his mom does, you know. <laughs> but, uh, um, the rivalry to him and his mom, I think, is one of my favorite things on social media. Uh, really I, I don't know if it is. Uh, I, I'd love to see him stay with AEW. I think AEW needs that star power, that young yeah. star power, that homegrown star power going forward. I don't think he's somebody who's going to get lost in the shuffle and renamed, rebranded if he goes to WWE. Um, I think, I hope they're smarter than that. Um and so so far so good with so far so good with what they've done with Cody Rhodes. So you know, I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a positive thing. But yeah, it's everybody else who's coming in there now who's who's you know getting screwed over. And well, we're going to slap a new name on you. Everybody in the world right. knows that I'm Walter. No, we're going to call you whatever they call him now. Gunther, uh, or, you know. Yeah, yeah, Gunther. Yeah. Actually, I think they named. I think they shortened it to Gunther because his original full name was that of a U-boat commander. So right, uh, yeah, they didn't even research there. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, that's been a very confusing thing for me. It's kind of why I stopped watching NXT because, like, you get attached to someone in the developmental thing, and mm-hmm. then when they get called up, you're expecting that character. Oh, man. And then yeah. suddenly, they, like, in the past, you know, six to nine months, they've just decided to rebrand all the people they call up. Well, let's let's talk about another way. talk about another descendant of Lord Patrick uh, Lansdowne. Let's talk about Tyler Breeze. How freaking entertaining was that guy in NXT every week? Yeah. I mean, he just absolutely loved what he did there. And, you know, that's the problem when, when the boss calls him up and the boss hasn't even watched NXT, has no idea who they are, has no idea anything about their gimmick, has no idea what their connection with the fans is. And he just throws them out. Well, well this, this is clearly isn't working because you don't know how to use it. You don't know. You know, and maybe it just wasn't the right forum. Maybe you know somebody like that should be able to stay in a place like NXT and you know, and uh, and build that character. So, uh, but yeah, it was there were quite a few of them that were frustrating. But I think that was the one that frustrated me the most because I really, I mean, my gosh, that guy's a hard worker, and that guy, that gimmick was fantastic. So, yeah, I know. I mean, they actually talk about a guy there. He wasn't quite doing the androgynous thing, but no, he no. was. He was fairly close to it. He was tap dancing on that. It was another. It was. It's just an. It's another spin. It's another variation on that. On that gorgeous George Nature Boy character, and uh, yeah, just the air, you know, he, little little bit of Rick Martel and and uh, you know some other things thrown in. But man, he was he was entertaining. And my gosh, that guy could work. He's Lance Storm training. You know, I mean, <laughs> he came there out of Lance yeah. Storm. So we expect. Um, Another topic I want to touch on here. I've you know talked about this one before here. The Ric Flair one last match. Do you think? <laughs> I, 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 my whole opinion on this, like, okay, if we're talking about a guy who, yes, he's you know five years removed from a major heart attack that should have killed him but didn't, uh, but he's decided to clean himself up, get back in shape, and give it one last go, that would be a very inspirational story. But we're talking about Ric Flair. Uh-huh. And Ric Flair still lives like it's 1984, even though he's in his 80s. He's five years plus removed from a heart attack. He's now working on his fifth divorce from the woman who basically was saying at his bedside. But he's getting back into training and he wants to do one more match. What do you, what, what's your take on this? Wrestling is all at the end of the day. It's not about the wins and losses. It's about the gate. And uh, Ric Flair is going to make a lot of money off this match. And so is everybody who's helping to promote it and make it happen. Whoever steps yeah. in the ring with them, I'm sure they're going to get a nice paycheck. Um, 
you know, let's all cross our fingers and hope he comes out of it okay, and, and we don't have a Jerry Lawler on Raw incident. Um, yeah. But I mean, he's he's you know, no nobody, everybody knows it's not going to be you know a, a Flair Steamboat five star classic. You know, it's going right. to be older Ric Flair. He's there's going to be chops. There's going to be massive selling. He's going to do the whole stagger, trip and fall. You know, and and as long as he comes out of it okay and breathing, you know, I mean, you know. He's he's going to make a ton of money. It's 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 all about the money. You know, wrestling is is not about the wins and losses. It's not about the proving yourself. It's about it's about about the money and it's about the entertainment. So, it really is. Yeah. Now, of course, it was surprised. It, it it was somewhat surprising, but also not surprising that Ricky Steamboat actually did turn down an offer to be a part of the match. Uh, originally, he was billed because it was supposed to be a six fan tag, and so originally he was billed as being part of the match, but then Ricky said, no, I, I had my last match. I had my great moments. You know, was I was, you know, in my late 50s, almost 60 years old, wrestling Chris Jericho and the crowd chanting, chanting, you still got it. That's where I'd like to keep my legacy. So mm-hmm. it was nice. He didn't poo-poo the event or, you know, Rick's attempt to, you know, one last shot at glory sort of thing like that. But at the same time, he was, you know, play, he, he was still in character mm-hmm. as Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I actually saw Ricky a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I think Ricky pr- could probably still get in the ring and, and do a four or five star match. <laughs> so uh, he he still looks. I mean, he's he he is he is older, but uh, he, he's still Ricky Steamboat. And uh, there were a bunch of other a bunch of other veterans and, and guys at a show I was at, and I, I think he could have licked them all. So <laughs> yeah, I, I got the I got the pleasure of finally getting to meet him about four years ago. And uh, got, he actually still had his uh, original Intercontinental title, uh, oh, the one wow. from the 80s. Uh, so got to hold it. And wow. Yeah. that I mean, I've held belts before, but it seems like the old belts, like, this is really metal. This is really mm-hmm. leather here. This was a very heavy belt. So it was yeah. quite impressive. I heard somebody suggest a couple years ago a really great independent wrestling gimmick would be the guy who comes out and he looks for somebody who's brought a – brought from home a title belt that they own to a show and says, you get in the ring. You're going to defend that against me. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. there's so many fans who have said that at shows, <laughs> you got to defend that belt. So yeah. why not? Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be the belt collector or whatever. So, and uh, yeah, that's, that's why that's one thing I don't get And my, my wife a couple years ago. Would you want a title belt? It's like, absolutely not. No, no, I don't want a not title. Belt. <laughs> I don't want a title belt. She was convinced. I think I finally con- finally convinced her. She's like, "You're going to get involved somehow. You're going to promote a show. You're going to work as a referee. You're going to be a manager." You're gonna do I was like, "Honey, absolutely not. I belong on this side of the wall. I want to tell the stories. I want to help them tell their stories. I want nothing to do with the business side of this. No, absolutely not. We'll take yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. I think they started. They stopped doing it like in the mid to late 90s but at one point uh ohio valley wrestling in their early days would let you know, people rent out the ring for like birthday parties and whatnot mm-hmm. let kids mm-hmm. run around the wrestling ring so buddy of mine of course we're all teenagers early 20s he did that one time and so i i had my uh welts from the ring rope uh, for a few weeks to show that so yeah that was, that was good enough for me I hear that hurts. I, 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 I'll i never know, <laughs> but I hear that hurts. And, uh, make sure you grab that top rope because otherwise you're probably going over it if you hit it wrong. So, yeah. Yeah, as they say, yep. ass over tea kettle. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. They, they kind of give you the, the – now, the, the guy whose birthday it was, he had done this more than a few occasions, so he felt like he was a little more 
experienced mm-hmm. and whatnot. So he was a little more brave with some of his moves, uh, with some of the stuff he tried and whatnot. Uh, he's a big Tito Santana fan, so he kept trying to come off with a flying arm bar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or thing like that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I got a little bit of a taste of what it's like to land in the mm-hmm. ring just from a standing position and hitting those ropes and whatnot. I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. This is, yeah, this is, uh, fake. I have, uh, yeah, in the last 10 years, I have been in exactly one ring. Uh, I stepped into the ring and sat on a stool and talked into a camera, uh, for a promotional piece. Uh, and, and that, that's, that's the extent of it. I've never even been in a wrestling locker room during or prior to a show. I've been in a boxing, you know, locker yeah. room and thanks to Scott Romer, the, uh, wrestling a boxing photographer when I was working with him on his book. And uh, that, that was, that was a fascinating behind the scenes, but no, I've, I've never actually said, but I did get invited once DJ Hyde invited me up to CZW and that, I probably should have taken him up on that one, but you know, it's that just, it, cool. there, there, there's, there's, there's some lines that I'm like, you know, I, it, that, that, you know, I belong here. They belong there. Uh, very happy with what I get to do and my, my part and in, in, in helping to tell the story of the business and everything. And uh, I always tell people, it's like, you know, my, uh, my paying my dues is the fact that, you know, they're coming walking in, they've got their bag and they've got, you know, maybe, you know, a couple of pounds worth of t-shirts they're taking to the gimmick table. I'm hauling in 80, hundred pounds worth of books and hoping I can get some sold and <laughs> go home with yeah. a lighter load. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can just kind of definitely see that because I've always been fascinated as a fan with the behind the scenes of the business and how things work mm-hmm. and, you know, how performers work with each other and that sort of thing like that. But at the same time, I don't want to know, you know, I, I do and I don't, you know, so I, I can definitely see not wanting to go to basically literally break the curve. Yeah. Right, right. And it's it's to be able to suspend us belief and the guys that can really help you make the suspend us belief or, you know, I, I remember you were talking about the pipe bomb. There was a night the Miz came walking out from around the side of the ramp cutting a promo that was just like the promo of his life. And it was just it was one of those moments that kind of makes you pulls you out of it and makes you go, wow. You know, I mean, it's uh, um, AJ Lee had one. There was one recently on AEW and I don't remember who it was. It wasn't the MJF, but it, it was something similar. Um, but you get those moments and, um, you know, one of the last times I saw Tracy wrestle, actually the last time I saw Tracy wrestle was down in Somerset, Kentucky for Kentucky zone wrestling. And he was part of a five on five in a steel cage and he was on the baby faces side, but at the end of the match, he took a two by four and he smacked it across the back of one of his teammates. And some guy in the front row, I swear, who's double crossed him and just couldn't believe (laughs) I can't believe it's like this is Tracy Smothers. Who are you talking about? <laughs> of course yeah, he's gonna turn you. <laughs> so yeah. I've seen I've seen some indie folks and I love the indie folks of Trace. Um Maddie Max, she's out, she's out off the East Coast, and I saw her walk out here in Jeffersonville once. Nobody knew who she was. She picked up a microphone and within a minute, you know, everybody wanted to rip her hair out. Um yeah. we're talking sunny, sunny 1995 level heat. And uh oh, she owes the guy's name. Uh it's gonna kill me. Um, shoot, he, he wrestled around here for quite a while in Jeffersonville. Uh, Teddy King, and, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Teddy was a freaking lightning rod on that microphone. I mean, just the, the, the way he could ignite a crowd and get people going and riled up and, and, and ready to climb in the ring and kick his butt themselves. I mean, that, that guy was he, he had a gift on the mic and uh, one heck of a worker, too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what's just so fun about wrestling is you get so many. You know, you could definitely tell like the people there are just kind of just the journeyman performers and whatever else. But then you just you get those special moments, those star making moments, and you know it when you see it. 
when it, mm -hmm. when it happens, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I'll tell you, there's there's a great moment at the end of the. I'm not going to spoil it for you. There's a great moment at the end of this particular book. There's a moment I capture from OVW, and when you talk about what's old is new, and and people taking something to put a new twist on it. Uh, there were a couple of guys that the, the famous Eddie Guerrero spot with with uh, Mr. Kennedy. Oh um, yeah. I saw, I saw it is coming and they're going to, oh, they're doing the spot. No, they put a twist on it and it was, it was sweet. And it was one of those moments between the fans and what was going on in the ring. Everybody knew where they thought it was going and it went a different direction. And it was just, it, it was amazing. And it's just, you know, it was, it's, uh, it's a tribute to, 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 uh, they continue to push things forward at OVW. The amazing things Al and his staff are doing over there. Um, I mean, they're, they're built. They're not. That's not just a wrestling school. There's the Al Snow Wrestling Academy. Ohio Valley Wrestling is a territory. Um, yeah. Did you see the photo from earlier this week where they got they had that outdoor show and it had to be at least a thousand people, you know, outdoors. Yeah. I mean, at was school. that from the uh, was it the Derby? Uh, uh... No, this wasn't the Derby. This was this was I think it's part of their summer tour that they, they've got oh, going okay. on. Uh, I, I don't recall where they were, but man, they, they, they had a crowd. It was, it was a really cool aerial shot of the ring and, uh, they, they, they drew a crowd. Um, but he's, he's, he's got, he's got a great mix of, you know, he's, he's got the young, new guys. He's, um, he's got older guys and even the older guys, you know, I mean, cash flow and Isaiah are sitting there telling me everything they've learned from working with Al just the last couple of years, you know, 20 year veterans cash flow and Isaiah. I mean, you know, those guys have seen it done at all. And, you know, they're like, you know, Isaiah said I needed I wanted one more Yoda and and El Snow is my, is my new Yoda. So that's awesome. Yeah, you know, a guy who's been around and knows a lot, seen a lot, been everywhere is Al Snow. So yeah, so that's that's really cool. Like, I mean, the veterans like that because I love Cash Flow as a villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and Isaiah, whatever, <laughs> if he's going to be a villain that week or he a face that week, he he kind of flip flops around. But yeah, I you know, Isaiah has also been you know, a fantastic wrestler as well. So absolutely. You know, yeah, impressive. So, well, before we wrap up, we're going to plug one more time here. You got to go and get Bluegrass Brawlers, the 10th anniversary edition, and you can get it at eatsleepwrestle.com along yes, with many other John's books here. So, see, you, you, you got all kinds of stuff. Oh, I, feel, I got a few others over here. Let's see. Oh. <laughs> let's, let's, let's fan a couple out. There's Wahoo. Oh, you we, go. got, uh, we got my compilation, two indie wrestlers I heard some horror stories with. Uh, uh -huh. My horror stuff. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you got this one or not, but I, I got to get that yeah, one. I, right. the first book, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> got to do like the Muppets Mars Bennett. This one was so much fun to write. Um, just an amazing. Again, you know, she she was a very athletic young lady growing up. She joined the circus. She did all kinds of acts in the circus. Um, great story about her playing in a baseball game. You know, the ladies in the circus versus the midgets in the circus. Uh, Mars Bennett hit the first home run of the game, and the midgets won fifteen to five. <laughs> oh um, and then, of course, she you know she gets into the Pit Up magazine. She's very popular. Yeah, I mean, she was she was a muscle girl, and uh, some incredible, really, really great photos in the, the magazines. And then she gets into pro wrestling. Uh, she was engaged at one time to Larry Storch from F Troop. Uh, she took a punch in the ring from Dory Funk Sr. That doesn't make you want to read the book. I don't know what would. Uh, she participated in three Texas death matches in the, 19, in the 1956 uh, Texas death match at that time. was really what you call a last man standing match today. You know, yeah. but still, I mean, tough as nails, very entertaining, you know, and, and kind of a tragic end. But, you know, a lady crammed a whole lot of living in 35 years and, and a really fun story. So. There you go. So see, eatsleepwrestle.com. You get that book. You get many others as well. So including 
bluegrass brawlers. So, well, John, thank you so much for being on the show with me this week. Here, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Hey, George, it's my pleasure. If we do this again, let's do it in person. So, I'm happy to drive down and, and hang out with you. Hey, uh, that will work. I, I got to <laughs> set up for actually having another person sitting next to me here. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'll let you work uh, on that. Don't we'll, we'll worry about that. <laughs> you know, yeah, I got, I got technical things I got to work on. Yeah, so. I got to move some comic boxes and cats out of the way. So, gotcha. Congrats, congrats on the new show. I'm excited to see this continuing in this format. And uh, it's always a pleasure talking with you, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I'm going to let you go here and I'm going to sign off. So, thank you for joining us, sir. All right, guys. So, great show there. Hope you all enjoyed it as well. Of course, you know, like I always say, you can uh, sign up on subscribe for me on Facebook. Uh, I'm at George the Fanatic. Uh, of course, you can also look me up here on YouTube. I'm at Fanatic Forum as well. So I'm all over the place when it comes to stuff. And now, if you actually listen to podcasts, I'm on uh, Spotify. I'm on Apple. Um, i trying to think. So you know, basically any places you get podcasts, if you just want to just listen to me and not have to watch me, then you can check me out there uh, anywhere you get podcasts. So uh, next week. We're going to be talking in depth about Ms. Marvel. We're going to talk about the boys as much as we possibly can on TV that I like to keep for family friendly purposes. <laughs> uh, and then we'll also talk about Kenobi because, yeah, we're getting pretty close to the end on that one there. So we got to talk about it as well before it goes away. So, and the Black Adam trailer, all kinds of stuff to talk about. So next week, we're going to do all that. So you all have yourselves a wonderful week, and I will see you next time on the Fanatic Forum. Take care. Bye bye.